Welcome, you're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted ministry partner for planned giving. And here's your host, Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations. This podcast comes from the 2021 CLA Conference, where Heather Day, Barnabas Foundation's Director of Marketing, recently presented a workshop called A Collaborative Roadmap to Donor Stories. In this session, Heather presents research that shows donor stories are a powerful way to inspire giving and gives a proven approach that pairs the fundraisers who know the supporters and the writers gifted at telling their stories. Hi, I'm Heather Day, Director of Marketing for Barnabas Foundation, and thank you for joining me today for a collaborative roadmap for donor stories. Uh, Before we begin, just a little bit about myself and where I'm coming from today. Um, As I mentioned, I work for Barnabas Foundation, and Barnabas Foundation offers a variety of plan giving solutions um, for our member ministries, serving them in the areas of gift administration, estate planning, marketing, and training. Specifically in my role, I provide a wide variety of uh, marketing strategy and content for our 200 uh, or so member ministries so that we can help them communicate with their donors more effectively effectively about planned giving opportunities. And me personally, I've been writing and telling stories for as long as I can remember. Um, I remember writing and binding these little books in second grade of stories that had written and illustrated, um, but I never could have imagined that God would take a love for words and somehow transform it into a marketing career. Um, But here I am some 30 some years later, I won't admit how many, and I'm having the time of my life. Um, Because of my specific line of work, a lot of the research and the specific examples that I'll give today uh, come directly from the world of planned giving. However, I want to make sure that it's clear from the the very beginning that all of this uh, really applies to any type of fundraising or marketing in general. Um, So let's dive right into the topic at hand, and that's donor stories. Um, But before we get too far into the how, I want to talk about the why. Why tell donor stories? Why is this even a topic that we want to focus on? Well, first of all, donor stories help us address this topic of social norming, which is so important in fundraising and marketing. You know, we we like to think that we outgrow junior high, but that desire to act in a way that's socially acceptable and normal, um, we never really outgrow that. Um, But since many of our planned gifts are really giving of any type, we don't talk about that in everyday conversations. People have no idea of what's normal. Um, So donor stories give you an opportunity to say, this is what generous and smart people just like you are doing. This is an area um, that Dr. Russell James of Texas Tech University, um, you know, a lot of you have heard his name because he's one of the foremost experts in the area of planned giving. He talks about this quite a bit because he said that um, of all the things that you could be doing to market planned gifts or any type of fundraising gifts, the most important message that your donors need to hear is that people like me do things like this. And donor stories give you an opportunity to do that. So social norming. The second thing that donor stories do is they help you demystify complex topics. Um, you know, some giving options and planned giving options in particular are a little complicated to explain on paper, but donor stories help you show real life tangible examples that illustrate how those work and what difference it made in the ministry. Which brings me to number three, donor stories help you connect giving to impact. It is so important that your supporters understand why does it make a difference? What kind of difference does it make when I give to your organization? And donor stories really help you tie that uh, that giving to impact. 
And finally, I take my cue from the greatest leader and teacher of all time, Jesus, who told stories time and time again. Jesus used stories to explain, to encourage, and motivate people towards action. All I have to do is mention the prodigal son or the good Samaritan, and you immediately recall the point that he was trying to make and the application that it has for your life. So not to be trite, but what would Jesus do? Um, that's, that's what we want to follow his model. And as they say, the proof is in the pudding. You know, of everything, we post a lot of content to our organizational blog and on our website and in our newsletters that go out to our clients. And of all the content that we post, donor stories consistently rank at the top of the list for the most read content, the content that they click on and the content that they respond to. When our planners are having conversations, it's really fulfilling how often they reference that they read a story um, that we had written. So they really make a big difference. And so I would highly encourage you to, um, to incorporate incorporate those into your, into your work. But in order to be effective, your stories have to be, how should I say, good. <laughs> this is not, uh, it's not good enough to just slap some words on paper. Um, this is not the field of dreams. Just because you write it doesn't mean they'll come. So you need to make sure that you're telling good stories. I remember going to several years ago when I was working for a university, I had the opportunity to attend a case conference case for the Council for the Advancement and Support of Education. And it was specifically a conference for the editors of alumni publications, a very specific niche our audience. But that at that point in my career, I think I had really hit and hit a writing rut with my stories and all my um, my alumni and my donor testimonials all started to sound alike. It was something along the lines of this person gave, it made a difference, now go and do likewise. Well, there was a speaker that year that really changed how I thought about writing alumni stories. He, his name was Dale Kiger and he was the editor of John Hopkins Magazine. And his work has also appeared in the New York Times, Washington Post, Washington, uh, Washington uh, Post, Los Angeles Times, Boston Globe, and many more. And Dale's address, he was one of the key influences in, in changing my writing approach. He explained that donor stories don't have to be an explicit how-to manual on how to give. Instead, our focus should be on telling good stories. And he cited a case study that showed the more time alumni spent reading their university magazine, the more inclined they were to give. When their minds were engaged and their hearts were captured, they were moved to get involved. Therefore, he said, my goal, quote, my goal is to write a story so interesting and so compelling that any person on the street would want to read it, regardless of whether they have any connection to our institution. And that's really uh, become my focus on my writing, too. I don't want to write a story just to check it off the box and get the task done. I want to write something that people are interested in wanting to read more. So what makes for a good story? Well, let's take a moment to time travel back to seventh grade literature class for a quick refresher. And here's a picture from one of my favorite stories of all time, To Kill a Mockingbird. And you'll, and as you think through this, you'll, you'll remember these different elements of that story. First and foremost, your story has to start with strong characters. 
To Kill a Mockingbird would be nothing without Scout, without Atticus, the, the attorney, without the big brother, without all the things that happen in that novel. The characters really drive the story. Second of all, the setting is so important. The setting is what is the physical environment and the context for their story. Can you imagine that, that novel working in any other context other than the Deep South in the middle of the uh, Great Depression? It made such a big difference in the story. Um, next, motivation. What drives this person? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What are they trying to accomplish? This matters so much in telling a good story. Next, your story to be good has to have conflict in it, both internal and external. And make sure that in your story, you don't resolve this too quickly. Otherwise, you're not really telling a story. You're just skipping straight to the point. Sit in that conflict for a while to tell the story. And then finally, the resolution, the victory, where we learn some kind of truth or moral. Now we know all these things. This is basic junior high uh, course training, but sometimes we get so caught up in our objectives as marketers or fundraisers that we forget the elements that make people will make people want to read your work. So if you don't want your work to read like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 make sure all of your articles include all of the elements of a compelling story. Now I know what some of you are thinking how in the world am I supposed to do this? Just the fact that you are at a Christian leadership conference and particularly those of you who are tuning into this online, I could probably guess two things to be true about you. One, you're overworked and two, you're under-resourced. Now, if we had all the time in the world, I would love to dive deep on how to write or to interview and to write and to edit, but I feel like a, you wouldn't have time for it, and B, like you would be overwhelmed if we did, because you're wearing a lot of hats and you just need to get the job done. That's why I want to focus today on what I've seen to be particularly effective at a lot of organizations, and that's this whole art of collaborative storytelling. Um, collaborative storytelling pairs the people who are on the front lines, the fundraisers, those people who know their donors the best, um, and understand the objectives they're trying to accomplish with the storytellers, that is the creatives who are able to tell the stories in a way that supports the fundraising objectives. It takes the two people that know, know, their, know their craft, know their career well, and it pairs them together to have the most effective output. So if you're a fundraiser sitting through this, you might be wondering, okay, but who are the storytellers? Uh, well, I would encourage you to take a look around you because you ha probably have a number of options. Um, let's start first with the most obvious. I would look at your organization to see if you have marketing or communication professionals who have been trained explicitly in this area. They may have bandwidth to help you in this, and I would reach out to them and see what resources are available to you in your work. Um, a second option is just to look for those people with natural storytelling ability. I think it was about um, three years ago that we hired somebody on our staff um, who was uh, hired to handle church communications director, Phil, Phil Leo. And if you had asked Phil at the time, are you a writer? I don't know that he would have raised his hand, but he had a, uh, he has a pastor's heart. He had a unique ability to, to understand the heart of the matter, to connect with people and to translate that into words. And so as it, as it came to pan out, Phil writes most of our donor testimonials today because he just has the natural ability to do it. It's not something he was explicitly trained how to do, but he's just good at it. And there's probably people in your organization who have that ability or perhaps volunteers or people who are former staff members who are ju just looking for a way to get involved. And finally, 
Um, a third, you might consider a freelance writer. Now, I know that one of the hesitations in going this route, first of all, is the cost of it, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the second, uh, the second concern that people have in turning to a freelance writer is they don't know us. But here's the thing, you know you, and you're gonna be working closely alongside this person to make sure that the message is on target and that it reflects who you are as an organization. And regarding the cost, when you consider your time, your salary, um, how much time it would take you to, to, uh, to do these stories, it might be that turning to somebody for, uh, for a quick one-time project or uh, working with them on a routine basis might be the quickest, most cost-effective way for you to, to accomplish your objective. So don't write off freelancers. It's a great option um, if you don't have somebody on staff. Now, regardless of who your storyteller is, there's a few things that you'll need to understand uh, about the collaborative storytelling process. First of all, it's nonlinear, it's messy. I would love to walk you through step one, two, three, four, five, six, and walk you straight through the process of exactly how it looks to write a story. But I will tell you that the process has looked as different as the number of stories that have written. It looks different every single time. Secondly, there is no clear handoff. There's not a time where the fund, now the fundraiser is working on it and now the storyteller is working on it. It's going to, you're going to have uh, interaction throughout the process. It's going to be, again, messy is the best word I can use, um, but good. And then um, because of that, you need to have a lot of trust and clear communication throughout the process. You want to make sure that you have a united front and that you're clarifying questions, that you're asking questions, you're making sure that you're clear on expectations, and you're talking as uh, regularly throughout the process. And finally, you need to make sure that you have clear roles and uh, responsibilities. Make sure that you're talking through, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what, uh, what you're going to do, and make sure that you're talking about that throughout the process. Let's take just a few minutes to walk through what those roles and responsibilities are. And let's start with the fundraiser. First of all, the fundraiser's responsibility is to clarify the purpose and the audience. You're not just telling a good story for the, for the sake, the fun of it. You really have a uh, purpose and an audience you're trying to reach. So make sure that you're working with your storyteller, clarify what you're trying to accomplish and who it is that, um, that you're trying to talk to. They may have a whole different idea in their head of what your donor looks like. You know who they are, so make sure you clarify that. You also want to identify potential characters for these stories. And again, I use the word character because your stories to be good have to have strong characters at the heart of it. You know who those people are. You sit across the table for them. You know those people who just have these things that you go home and tell your friends or your spouse about because it was such a motiv motivating and an inspirational story. Um, so you're gonna help identify those. You're also, as a fundraiser, going to be the person who does the initial uh, seeking of permission. Hey, we think you have a story that would inspire others to give. Would you mind if we share your story? So you're going to be the person that makes that initial ask. But I want to give a big disclaimer here and a, 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 a heartfelt request on, the, on behalf of the marketers and the communication people. Be careful about making promises about how that story will be used. I can't tell you how uncomfortable it is to be put in a box of, um, hey, would you mind if we aren't interviewed you? I think you have a cover story for our alumni magazine, only to go through the process of interviewing them and find out the story is a complete dud or is problematic for other reasons. Or the other promise that sometimes fundraisers make is somebody will call you today or somebody will call you this week. Just uh, again, seek this permission, but be careful about what promises you make. Just say, we have a story and I'd love to connect you with somebody to talk to you about it. 
you're also going to offer background details to the writer. The, the storyteller will have a far more effective interview if they had know some basic details about your donor before they start the interview process. Yes, there are some questions that always get a good response, but they it, the more work that they can do in prepping and that you can set them up for a successful interview, the better off you'll both be. You're also going to provide the contact details and make the introduction. It's so helpful to our staff. Um, Cindy uh, Remersma works with our clients directly. So often when she's identified a potential person for the story, she will say, you know what? I have uh, somebody, you have a great story. We'd love to tell it. Would you mind if somebody from our audience or from our staff does that? And then she makes the introduction to Phil and Phil takes it from there. So that's part of the responsibility on that person's part. Once a story is written, your responsibilities are going to be to make sure that the story is accurate, that there's no facts in there that you just assume that the writer uncovered along the way. Make sure it's accurate, make sure that it's accomplishing its purpose, and that, uh, and that it's, it will speak to the intended audience, and also make sure that you're watching out for potential landmines. Again, you know that donor well, you know their triggers. Um, make sure that you're, um, you're watching for those things that, oh, that's not gonna sit well that that ended up in that article. So you're, you, that's your responsibility. And finally, make sure that you're thanking the supporter. This is a gift that they give given as much as any um, cash or other gift that they give. This is a huge gift of their influence. So make sure you're thanking them appropriately. Now let's take a look at the storyteller's responsibilities. First of all, it's the storyteller's responsibility to make sure that they have clarity on what is the purpose and the audience. They need to be making sure that they're really asking a lot of questions on the front end to find out what are you trying to do with this article? What do you want at the end of the day? What will make this successful? Secondly, they should be scheduling and conducting the interview. There's no reason for the fundraiser to get involved in those details. You're just going to muddy the waters. So the, the storyteller will, will, will manage all those details. They will also find and tell the story. This is an important clarification. They're going to determine the theme, the tone, and the critical details. Again, the, the fundraiser is identifying the purpose, but the storyteller, you're working with them because they're good at finding the hook. They're good at finding what is going to resonate with people's hearts. So let them let them shine in that area. Don't get too, don't do, as a fundraiser, don't get too bogged down in the details of, oh, I really wanted you to tell about this aspect of their life. That may not be what translates well into the story. Also, as a storyteller, it's your responsibility to honor the supporters' intentions. Um, it is an incredible honor and responsibility so often in the interview process that I learned something about them that maybe they've not shared in other settings because, um, because we just asked the right question. I've had um, supporters who have talked to me about deep struggles they had in their faith or, or um, health concerns that they haven't revealed even sometimes to their family yet. Make sure as a storyteller, you're honoring their privacy, you're honoring their confidentiality, and you're not sharing anything in the final article uh, that they would not want you to share because you probably will learn more, um, more than you realize you're going to. At the end of the, the writing process, the storyteller is going to make sure that they're editing it for accuracy, um, grammatically and otherwise, for clarity, for length, for flow, purpose, and audience. Again, the, this fundraiser is going to be doing this as well, but make sure that you're looking at that from a storytelling perspective. 
the storyteller, this is an important clarification as well, should also be the person who's, who's talking to that supporter at the same time about collecting photos and other things that you need from them. And let me just give you a, a little heads up here. I would say of all the stories where we have a little bit of a hiccup in the process or we get held up, I would say 90% of the time it comes down to the photos. I don't know why in this digital age, we have such trouble getting the right photos, but this is a big barrier to, to overcome. So make sure your storyteller is telling is talking to them from the very beginning about we're going to need a photo and what that might look like, whether it's getting submitted or scheduling time with a photographer. Finally, at the end of the process, um, your storyteller is going to uh, secure publishing permission. Make sure that we've got the sign off to run with this story and then thank them. Again, this has been an honor to work with you, to, to hear your story. Thank you for allowing me to be part of that. Both the fundraiser and the storyteller need to be clear on what makes a good character. Have I mentioned character before? Because it's really important. Both of you are going to need to make sure that you're clear on what makes a strong character. Um, it might be surprising uh, to learn that it's not always the person who's given the biggest gift. In fact, you might have trouble getting a lot out of that person. You might have trouble connecting with that person. So don't always look for who has given the biggest gift to our organization. Maybe they have a good story, maybe they don't. But you should be looking for those who are loyal supporters of your organizations. Look for your raving fans who love you and who just want to who want to give in any way they can. They want to help you in any way that they can. And this is a profound way to give by giving their influence. Your, um, your character, your supporter should be relatable to the intended audience. So one of the things that, that just to be aware of is if you're trying to reach for example, uh, 40 to 50 year olds, don't tell the story of somebody who's significantly older or younger. Find somebody right in that sweet spot that will, that will resonate with them, that will have a lifestyle that resonates with them. Make sure that as you're telling that story, you're telling details that will connect with the intended audience. And along that lines, make sure or look for people who have a unique background, a personal obstacle or life circumstances. Again, as a fundraiser, you're talking to them about um, details of their life. If there's something that you felt compelled enough to go home and tell your, your family or you told um, your coworkers, oh, they told me the most interesting thing today. That's a good indication it's a strong character. And then specific giving experience. If, you, for example, you're wanting to explain how a charitable gift annuity works, Look for somebody who's given a charitable gift annuity. Um, that'll help you, again, demystify those complex topics. So those are ways that you can identify a good character. When it comes to writing the story, your donor, your supporter should be the hero of the story. They should be the protagonist. They're the hero, period. Not your organization or even the gift they gave, gave which can be a little bit complex to navigate that. However, I find it helpful to think about the, the heroes in my stories as lamppost characters that I, that I want to shine a light on the things I really want them to know. So I'm making them the hero, I'm making them the central part of my story, but let's say I want to illustrate a particular giving, I use them as a lampshade character to shine a light on that type of giving. So the questions that you need to ask in identifying your characters on where are you trying to shine a light in your organization? Find the characters that will help you do that. 
One thing that I find is particularly helpful in the collaborative storytelling process goes along with this identifying the characters, and that's to develop a story bank. That's just to jot down these ideas of people as they come up. You're going to want to have a running list of potential stories that you could pursue as you have need for them. Um, make sure that you're saving this in a common um, network location, or it can be cloud-based. It's somewhere that when you're going to write newsletter and you need somebody, you can look through there and look, hey, this might be a good option for, for this particular need. It's important to record those ideas while they're fresh. So again, if you come back from a donor visit and you think they just told me the most incredible story, um, write that down right when it happens. Put it in the story bank right when it happens, because later when uh, you're going to freeze up inevitably when somebody comes in and says, hey, you got any good stories and you'll forget about the visit you had three weeks ago. So record those ideas while they're fresh. But again, don't make promises when you're recording these. Um, you might jot down an idea for a, a donor who might make a good character long before they're ever interviewed because you just want to remember that to go back and come back to them later. So we've talked about identifying the character. We've talked a lot about the process, but let's talk about once the story is written, it's very important that you engage in the editing process and both the fundraiser and the storyteller are going to be involved in that process. I love this quote from Mark Twain. I read it a long time ago. He, he, was he wrote, I didn't have time to, to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. And it's this whole idea that a good edit takes a lengthy, confusing, meandering mess of words, and it really transforms it into art. Don't shortchange that process. Make sure that you're involved in that. Both the fundraiser and the storyteller have clear roles to play in the editing process. And if you have the resources available or, or you just have somebody that would volunteer to do it, I would highly encourage you to turn to a skilled objective editor who can look at it, um, have a third party of, um, objective perspective, and they have the talent and interest to um, take your, your story to the next level. That's an important part of the process. As you're editing, there's several things that you wanna look for, both of you need to be looking for. First and foremost, is it accurate? You want to make sure that you're looking for grammar and fact-checking. That, that's, uh, that's at the bare minimum of the things that you should be doing. But editing goes beyond that. Editing needs to make sure, is it clear? Does this story even make sense? If there's things that you read as you're going through this and you're not sure what the writer was trying to say, uh, your reader is not going to either. Would the average reader understand what this means? Third, is it as concise as possible? Are there any parts that could be shortened or dropped without compromising the story? I have to tell you that as the writer, this is painful. You are going to learn things, like I said earlier, you're gonna learn things that are incredible details or fascinating details about your supporter, but they're a distraction from the central story. This is where a skilled editor can really help you um, narrow down, you know what, this could be dropped um, to make it more concise. Next, does it have good flow? Make sure that there's a natural progression of thought throughout the story. Um, are there natural transitions? Are there any parts that don't seem to fit? Again, don't be afraid to cut things. When you think of movies that you watch, there's always, there's always deleted scenes. You think, why in the world did they cut it? But they had to cut it because it kept it to the length and the clarity that they needed. Um, next, you want to review just to make sure that it's honoring and protecting the persons included in this story. Sometimes this is an actual safety story or a safety issue. I remember uh, years ago working for, for Bible League International where we'd tell the stories of people that were 
in high risk areas. And we needed to make sure that we were, we were honoring them and protecting them by not sharing details that would give away their identity. But a lot of times it's just a matter of protecting their, their reputation. It's a matter of protecting that they're, uh, that they come across uh, in a positive light. You don't want to put things out there that, uh, that would, they would not be proud to see. And finally, our all objectives met. Was this just a good story or does it actually support our fundraising efforts? All right, so we've talked about the writing process. We've talked about editing concerns and a number of things today. But the last thing that I want to cover is the approval process, which is so important. Don't shortchange this. Make sure that you're going through a consistent and clear process to get approval from everyone involved. You know, to make this go as smoothly as possible, this really starts from the very beginning. It's not a tag on at the end of the process. Before you dive into anything, you need to make sure that you are showing a proper level of, uh, of respect and clarifying expectations. Make sure that when you talk to your supporters, you're assuring them that you will not share anything that, you, that they are uncomfortable with sharing. And then make sure that you stick to your word on that. It'll make it go so much smoother. You'll get such clear sign off at the end if they have that confidence that you have their best interest in mind. Also, as you're talking with your supporters, make sure that you're clear about what the process will look like. This is not going to be a one conversation, then they're done, they sign off. It's going to be a back and forth. And make sure that you're letting them know what the ultimate goal is and how this type of content might be used. Again, it'll make it so much easier on the back end if you've done that due diligence on the front, front end. After you've written your story, before you show anything to your supporters, make sure that you're keeping the mess hidden. What I mean by that is this. When I have somebody coming over to my house, you know what I'm doing the 10 minutes before they arrive. I'm making sure that our dirty dishes are put away. I'm making sure that the kids' toys are picked up because I want to give the best first impression I can so they think I'm a reasonable, non-crazy person. So make sure that, they're, uh, that you're doing that with your stories as well. Keep the messes hidden. Make sure that you're reading through it, that you have a second pair of eyes looking over it, and that you don't have glaring inaccuracies, misspellings, grammatical mistakes that, that would give them any reason to doubt your level of professionalism. That's so important. Make sure that you're doing an initial first, uh, first edit. At, at bare minimum, bare minimum, you should make sure that your story is proofread and preferably has gone through an initial edit that it's, so it's clear and concise. You also want to make sure that you're avoiding the endless editing oop. Endless editing loop, I should say. Um, this could go on forever if you let it. So don't let it. Um, here's how I, what my approach typically is. What I will do is I will send that first draft after some proofread to the person that I'm telling their story and I'll ask them for feedback at that point. I will then take that feedback and I'll revise the story and I'll revise and I will route it by the internal staff that need to make sure I have their sign off. So I will take that and I will run it by them. I will make all those corrections. Once all of that feedback is incorporated, then I will send a final PDF of the story to the person we're telling their story. At that point, I'm not explicitly asking for their feedback. However, I will attach a permission form that said, here's the story that we have. We'd like to have your assign, uh, your approve, uh, approval to, to share this story with others. Again, I'm not asking for their feedback at that point. However, if there's glaring errors or issues that have been left unresolved, they're getting one last time to look over it before they sign off. Um, and it's, it's a great way to catch uh, its safety net. But I'm not asking edits over and over and over and over again. Um, but uh, again, that, that, uh, an important piece of that is having a form available, something that you've worked out um, that, that they sign off specifically that they've given your, their permission. This will protect you 
um, at one level, although I've never had that come back to bite us, but it will protect you to make sure that you're covering your bases, that you have not shared anything that you've got the permission. And it also gives them a moment of pause to really look over it and say, yes, I'm comfortable with this. So make sure that you have a form in place that you can share with them that's easy to sign and let, uh, let you know that they have your approval to share it. Finally, once you've done all of that, make sure that you close the loop. Don't tell this story and the donor has no idea where it's going to be used. Make sure that you send them a final version that's um, any pictures that are with it, it's laid out, or if there's a link to an online version of it, make sure that you're sharing with that supporter. They have given to you in a very significant way and they, and they deserve that. Make sure that you're closing a loop so that they see it and they, um, they're proud to share it with others. So there you have it. Um, that is the collaborative roadmap to telling donor stories. And I know we've covered a lot of information and all of it, we could, we could spend hours going into the details of all that. I know that it's not easy. And as I mentioned earlier, I know that it's messy, but I promise that it's worth it in the end. And as you walk through this uh, process time and time again, you're going to identify the, the kinks. You're going to get better at it. You're going to get better at communicating between the fundraisers and the storytellers. It'll get better and better. And before you know it, um, you know that you'll see uh, donor stories as a fulfilling and effective part of your fundraising program. I hope that you found this information helpful today, and I hope that it will give you practical steps that you can implement at your organization. And I would love to hear from you. So I've provided my contact information. I'd love to hear from you about any questions that you have. And I'd also love to hear ideas you have. We can all make each other better. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.